with me. Starting in verse number 2, Matthew chapter number 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. Now they're, they're not, it's not just that they're not coming, they're making fun of it. And they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king sent forth his armies, I'm sorry, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, talking about the visitor that was there, but was improperly attired. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I want to talk to us for a few minutes here this morning about many are called, but few choose. Few choose. Let's put our Bibles down and let's, let's pray. Let's lift our voices. You came here on purpose. Let's pray that we get something out of this here today by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, again, we pray for Brother Mike Whitmire that you keep your hand upon him. But also we ask that you keep your hand on this congregation that's here. There's so few moments that we really hear from God in contrast to living our daily lives. We pray that every human being under the sound of my voice We'll hear something substantive, something life-changing, something convincing. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This last phrase. 
that is found in verse number 14 really says, for many are called, but few choose. You know, you have to appreciate the translators that gave us the King James Version in 1611, even what we have and what we're reading from here today is a revision from the original King James Version. I've actually seen the original King James Version, and there are so many these and thous and therefores and whatever that it's difficult to read, even though I, I kind of enjoy the old, the old King James English, but it's just not reality. But translators and textual criticism as a body of work has a unique challenge in translating from one language into English, which is by far the most illustrious and the most expressive of any language on earth. Hallelujah. In fact, even in this last verse here, you will see that there is a word that is italicized. Anytime you see a word that is italicized in your Bible, it was added by the translators to help edify the overall thought or phrase or parsing. And since they agree with me, you ought to clap your hands. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just glad somebody loves me, even though they have no idea what I'm doing in here. And I have no idea what they're doing. For many are called, but few choose, is what that really means. You might say, well, pastor, it says right here in my King James Version, it uses the word chosen. And really, the, the real challenge of translation is, is that choose, chosen, and probably several other words come from the same Greek word. And so the challenge of translation is not to translate and get the exact word, but it's to keep the structure of what they meant. It's one thing to say one plus one equals two, but when it comes to translation, it's what does two mean? And that's exactly what the translators were up against when they translated the word of God. It was not just the idea of translating every word literally but rather keeping the thought. Are you following me here this morning? Keeping the overall thought of a verse, a word, a phrase, or the context of an entire passage. But in reality, what this is saying is, is that many are called, but few choose. And we just sitting here this morning, some of us no doubt can probably already recite from memory that there are several other places in the Word of God where we see this contrast between many and few. There is almost an identical passage to this that uses um, that contrast of many and few. And then, of course, 
even in Matthew chapter number 7, probably even more famous than this passage, is where Jesus is describing the wide gate, and many there go therein. And then he introduces the straight way, or the straight gate, and few there be that find it. I've often admired um, the way that the Lord teaches parabolically when he teaches in parables, because what he does, and this is, this is how Jesus taught, is he started with the natural, or he started with the known, and then he transitioned into the supernatural, or he transitioned into the unknown. And this is why many of the hearers of Jesus did not get everything that he said. In fact, when Jesus was breaking down in Luke chapter number 8, the parable of the seed and the sower, he looked at his disciples and he said, it's not for everybody to know the mysteries, but it's for you to know the mysteries. And he said, to them I teach in parables. And so if you have an understanding when you read a parable, you are blessed. You are blessed. Just for the sake of conversation, in Matthew chapter number 7, where Jesus is saying that many there go into the wide gate of destruction. He is talking about following the crowd. Obviously, he is talking about listening to others and listening to other people. Um, he doesn't identify other people, but I want to fill in the blanks to accentuate the point that he's trying to make, that it could even be your parents. It could be your best friend. It could be your siblings. It could be people you work with. It could be just people in the concourse of life that are walking according to style and walking according to trademarks and walking according to the dictates of the overall culture and just wanting to fit in. It is not the will of God to fit in. It is the will of God to stand out. spiritually in how they dress, what they do with their body, how they conduct themselves and who they run with. That is telling you a lot. Not to condemn them, not to judge them and put them in hell, but to getting an understanding of where they are. It is not the will of God that God's people or any human being should allow the mass or the morass of humanity to lead them and guide them. You are made in the image of God. You can choose to follow Jesus. And I'm glad over 35 years ago, this ex-sinner, ex-drug addict, ex-alcoholic made the right decision that I'm tired of the nonsense of this world and I want to follow after truth. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. I'm assuming that you're somewhat familiar with that passage, is the fact that you cannot make the right choices for yourself until you have an understanding of what's being presented to you. You cannot be afraid to make your own choices. And in the world that we're living in today, where people are almost given a crown for being followers, 
you come in contact with truth, you are going to be required to make a hard right. Because the reality of it is, in that context of Scripture, there are a lot of people that are sending a lot of other people to hell simply because those other people are allowing themselves to be led by other people. I'm going to say that again. I'm not saying that the people that are leading them actually know what they're doing. But just by the fact that you're not willing to stand on your own two feet and say this is not right, this is not where I belong, this is not where I want to end up, and you don't do that for yourself, you are empowering others to lead you. I want to tell you what, Jesus said, no, you are made in my image. I know your name. I know where you're at. I love you right where you're at. Make a choice for yourself. Stand on your own two feet and do what's right. The description of people today is weakness. And the devil is trying to use culture. The devil's trying to use the media. The devil's trying to use the world. That anybody that stands up and says anything that's right is immediately demonized. I don't care. God will stand with me. Because greater is he that's in me than he. That's in the world. You might be weak, but that's only because you don't know who you are. When God sees you, he does not see you as weak. He doesn't see you as a worm. He doesn't see you as a nobody. He sees you as somebody that has power, power to chew. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. We do not champion weakness in this church. Well, pastor, this is all I know. It's because you won't pray. And you have powers that are actually governing your life. And I guess you just ain't sick enough of it yet. But after people, after people come in contact with truth and reality, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, and the power of God's Spirit, there's something deep within each one of us that is made in the image of God that says, this was I was made for. This is what I was designed for. This is what I've been looking for. Whatever choices you've got to make, you need to break from the crowd, break from the drug addicts, break from them. I don't care how weak you are, God will make you strong. God will give you strength. God will give you power. That's not almost right. That is right. But then the challenge is, once you've found the narrow way, you have to be willing to have some lonely moments. You have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to break from the crowd that's taking a different direction. 
You have to be willing to do that. It is absolutely built in to this entire equation of receiving truth and experiencing the power and pursuing a spiritual awakening that you realize the people that I have been connected with, they are in darkness. They are in blindness. They do not even know where they're going. They don't even, they don't even know that there's a heaven and a hell. They don't even know that there's a God and a devil. And now that my eyes have been opened to this, I'm going to make a hard right. It might, I might be all by myself, but yet the Bible said I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus will never walk away from you. Even though nobody, no human being is there, God is there. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. I can make those judgments all day long and still love you and still give you a Bible study and still convey hope and still see you get empowered. But I'm not going to go through the white gate of destruction. I've already been down that road. I've already walked that road. Come on, Cornerstone, let's clap our hands and give God great praise. Just because you're lost doesn't mean I'm going to be lost. Just because my family's lost doesn't mean I want to be lost. Just because all my friends that were rockers are going down the wrong way doesn't mean I'm going to go the wrong way. There's got to be a fork in the road if you got the real thing. Now, if you leave up, leave us and hang with them, you're also revealing something. There's always, there's always the blather of, of background noise when you're with a crowd. You know, everybody's, everybody's going to the same sporting event. Everybody's wearing the same kind of clothes. Everybody has the same kind of interest. Everybody's just got their own little deal, their own little hobby, their own little deal. And, 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 that, and that is what's sustaining me is the fact that I feel like I'm belonging because everybody plays a video game, and I'm with a bunch of people that play that video game, and that is what is giving me my, my identity and my value. That's hogwash. You were never created to do that. You weren't created to roll the dice and play that with your soul. When you get free from that and really understand who you are. You won't be afraid who's with you. You won't be afraid who's against you. You won't be afraid who talks about you because God is in you and God is with you and God is with you. Oh, let's praise him. Let's give him praise. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God's already invited you to come out from among them and be separate. But you're saying, no, I got to go back. The pull is too strong. I don't know how I can get free. If you'll pray, you'll stay free. If you'll consecrate, you'll be free. If you'll walk with God, you'll stay free. The pull to get sucked into that wide gate 
is so strong, is so powerful. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to feel like I'm just a good person. And since I don't seem to measure up when I go to church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lower my expectations and lower the qualifications. And I find a group of people in the world that are doing the same thing I do so I don't feel bad, so they can make me feel like I'm okay. That's a psychological, psychiatric, and a spiritual principle all in one. It's people find their own water level because they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to feel condemned. They don't want to feel guilty. Why don't we just hold ourselves to the word of God and say, I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ Jesus with strength in me. If I fall, I'm going to get up. If I mess up, I'm going to plead the blood and quit letting ourselves off the hook to some life of mediocrity. Give him the praise and give him the glory. If you're in this church, God called you to be your best. If you're in this church, God called you to go beyond. If you're in this church, God called you to be the head and not the tail. Well, I just can't do that, preacher. I just can't. I can't shut that off and I can't turn that off and I can't do this. You've come too late to tell me that. Yes, you can. You just get full of this. You just, you just come to church on Tuesday. The problem is a lot of people show up here on Sunday because they've been programmed to do it. But they're not here on Tuesday when we do the Bible study. They're not here on Wednesday when we pray together. They're not here in the prayer room before service. you got to understand, if you're going to keep Jesus alive in your life, it's every day. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's Thursday. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You're not going to one night stay in Jesus and keep the victory. You're not going to walk in and walk out and get all your prayers answered. You're not going to live halfway in the world and halfway in the church and expect this to be good. you got to come out from among them and be separate. Yeah, when the bishop comes home, it's time to pull his sword out. And swat flies. Hallelujah. And so this deal about the many and the few is an idiom. It is a reality. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you're not. I want you to go to heaven. But I don't see what God sees. But it is the role of the ministry to preach and teach in such a way that the bride can make herself ready. I heard a man say recently, God is not coming back for us because the world is so bad. God's coming for us because we're so beautiful. I've made myself, I've made myself ready. No spot. You need a preacher that will get up and remove the spots, remove the wrinkles, any such thing, anything that could keep you out of heaven. You need somebody. I want to be the few. I don't care who's in that circle, but my name's got to be there.
Somebody said recently we don't hear a lot of preaching about hell. Well, we need to. We need a revival of hell. Because we might be able to spare some people from going there. Some people just joke about it. Hell, that ain't real. You're deceived. You're deluded. You've been intoxicated with your own thoughts instead of lining them up with the Word of God. That definitely lets you know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Jesus talked far more about hell than any of the apostles, any of the disciples, anybody else. He took it upon himself because he realized, you know what? This is so important. This is so grave. This is so fearful. I am not leaving it to a prophet. I'm not leaving it to an apostle. I'm not leaving it to a pastor. Jesus said, fear him that is able to cast your body into hell. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word of God. I'm going to do everything in my power. I want to make the right choices. I want to pray the right prayers. I want to do the right things. I want to walk in his path. I want to do the, I want to do the will of God. I've got to be where the few are. The scripture that I read in your hearing is so illustrative of the evangelistic call. A king that is preparing a wedding for his son. I know that we consider them celebrations, but they pale in comparison to the Jewish understanding. You may recall just several occasions in the Word of God, most notably Laban and Jacob, when the celebration, even though he thought he was getting Rachel, he got Leah, it, the celebration went for 10 days. big deal. And so here is a king, the illustration to reveal a greater point. And Jesus once again begins with the natural, he begins with the known, and he moves into the unknown. He sent his servants out invite people to this special occasion. And the Bible says in verse number three, they would not come. Now I realize that the Lord is using a hypothetical situation, but he is inserting this because it is a reality in the human dynamic. I remember many years ago, my wife and I when we first got here, we would invite people to church. This is a true story. I would invite people to church within, within an hour of church starting. 
And they said, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And one hour later, you never saw him. And I'm not, I'm not here to blame people. I'm, we're, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling spirits. We're wrestling spirits that are trying to take people down. But we just kept inviting and move on to the next person. And we got a few people here today. Verse number four of this chapter, again, he sent forth other servants, telling them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage, but they made light of it. Now listen, they're going to be fed, and we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about McDonald's catering this week, we're, we're talking about tri-tip. I gotta watch it before I start talking. I'm gonna get hungry. We're gonna talk about brisket. We're gonna talk about ribs. We're gonna talk about filet mignon. We're gonna talk about veal. The best. And that still was not enough to motivate people. Verse number five. Bible says, but they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. Some people are more into things than they are into God and everything that God represents. Verse number six, it turns the corner and then the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. I was witnessing in a uh, hotel or apartment, apartment complex probably close to 25 years ago over on Mission Boulevard, Mission Avenue in the Valley. And a guy had a sign on his door that said, no preachers, no pushers, a couple other unsavory words I don't want to repeat in the house of God and I thought you know greater is he that's in me I thought devil you're going to have to do a lot better than put a sign on some guy's door that means God your pastor is not afraid And so I reared back. He opened the door and had this long silver ponytail and missing some teeth. And I said, I'd like to invite you to a new church. His eyes changed. He looked at me, looked at the sign, and he said, can't you read? And slammed the door in my face. And I left a flyer right on his door. And when he slammed that door, I moved a couple feet away from that door, and I had a little prayer meeting. I said, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this man. 
I rebuke every force of darkness. I rebuke every spirit. I rebuke every lying devil. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he's at in life, but I pray that you give him a ray of hope in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I've never met that man. just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm stupid. I just throw that out there. People think, oh, just little Christians, let me abuse you, misuse you, just mistreat you. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. Time to get a backbone. response from the king was, all right, we're going to send our armies and destroy those people. Big deal. Verse number 10, and those servants went, which went out into the highways gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Doesn't that sound like a good church service? Man, I don't want to preach to all good people. I want to preach to some bad ones. Let's be honest here today. So those servants went out to the highways, the highways and the hedges. is like people that are homeless. They can appreciate a good meal. They can appreciate finally getting to go inside that palace. They've never even dreamed that they would be invited to go into that palace and have a meal. They're dirty. Some of them smell bad. Probably had an Old Testament version of a virus. Listen. So you can get back to church. I'm not going to let the media get me pumped up on fear when God is a healer. That media that some of you out there love so dearly is programming your mind, and you're going to go right through the gate, the wide gate of destruction. My God is a healer. My God is a deliverer. My God is a way maker. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. No virus is going to destroy the church. No devil is going to destroy the church. No problem is going to destroy the church. Man, we prayed for people in this church that had whooping cough, AIDS, lice. Of course, I just used my finger. 
broken bones, heart issues, rheumatoid arthritis. I'm going to get some of you out there. High blood pressure, low blood pressure, everything in between. It's no time to lie in some bed and say, oh, the doctor said this. It's time to call on the name of Jesus. It's time to exercise your right and say, I'm not going to be bound to this bed. God bless you, Brother Reuben. It's good to see you in that wheelchair. God is still on the throne. God bless you, brother and sister Varnell. God is still on the throne. God bless you, whoever you are. God is still a healer. He is still a counselor. He is still a way maker. If you get been healed, shout. If he's ever touched you, shout. Give him praise. He is a psychologist of the psychologist. He is a counselor. He heals the inner man. I was, you may be seated, I was looking at this deal on my, my, on my smartphone. I'm starting to think it's not a smartphone, it's a dumb phone. And if I spend too much time on it, I'm as dumb as the phone. Did you realize that 30,000 people in America die from influenza? And nobody is walking around with a mask. Did you know, what is it, January, February, March, Already this year, there are more people that have died from falling off ladders than people that have been killed by the coronavirus. But you don't see people walking around with a mask saying, oh, I'm not going to get on that ladder. I'm not going to get up on that stool. I'm not going to do it. Listen, just live your life. Witness. Live for God. Pray. Do your best. And let God give you the increase. Let God protect you. You are indestructible until God is through with you. And when God's done with me, I'm ready to go. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. Come on, everybody clap your hands and give God the praise. You are indestructible if you will walk in the mandate of God. And Brother Thompson, when that mandate is done for Brother Rick Mayo, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. Hallelujah. A bunch of people are invited, but they're not smart enough to understand what's going on. Why does everybody wait until your life is in such dire straits? What you're revealing about yourself, Rick, is that you're revealing that I am not going to live for God unless I have to. And that means that it's a great challenge on God's part because he's twice as loving to Paul. He's at risk of losing him. 
God is not looking for people that say, I need God to get me out of this quick fix that I got myself in. God's looking for people to say, you know what? I'm living for God because I want to. There's no shackles on my hands. There's no shackles on my leg. Nobody put a gun to my head. I'm here because I love him. I know him. He's worthy of everything. That only means that God is going to have to continue to allow you to run completely out of gas and make a complete mess so you can be saved. It doesn't need to be that way. It really doesn't. So those sermons went out to the highways and the byways, which is homeless folks. No, not not all those people that are homeless because they want to be. Some of them, because I've talked to a few, they ran into dire straits and couldn't afford high rent, mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of those people understand what a hot meal smells like. And the king is saying, they're welcome. They're welcome. I want to tell you what, any human being in this world is welcome to come to this church. I don't care if they haven't bathed in three weeks, they're welcome to this church. In fact, I kind of like it when God casts the devil out and they become empowered by the Holy Ghost, and they get they are in their right mind. I, I, I kind of like it, Brother Seymour, to watch the devils run for cover when the praises go up among God's people and people that have ran with the devil, people that have walked with the devil, people that are living with the devil. Hallelujah. Everybody's welcome to this church. They don't try to disrupt it. Every once in a while, we get a call on the phone in the office where somebody thinks I'm the Antichrist. And I just tell them I'm not smart enough to be that. God's got somebody else for that. I've got a limited understanding, but the understanding that I do have understands that there's but one God. His name is Jesus. He's great and greatly to be praised. And I'm not even interested in going anywhere else, worshiping any other God, doing anything else. This is where it's at. Let's clap our hands one more time and give him praise. Okay, the house is finally full. We got beyond the snooty folks got beyond the folks that had more important things to do. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And verse number 11 is when things begin to take a turn. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment.
about Jewish festivities, that there was garmentation that was provided by the host. And there were attendants at the door with this incredible group of people that had come from various conditions and situations, whether it was living on the side of the road or living under a bridge or highways or byways, wherever, that all of them were to be given a wedding garment. And the king comes in to greet his guests, totally not caring what their background was, totally overlooking their condition of life, whether they were poor, beggars, thieves, fornicators, adulterers, whatever background, he went in to greet his guests. And there is one man there that did not have on a wedding garment. And the king makes his way to this one man who stuck out. Now, this is one place where you need to blend in. This is one place where everybody needs to be the same. And that is to be a recipient of the provision from the king. But a man stuck out, and the king goes to him. And says, friend, he did not address him as a beggar. He did not address him as a fornicator. He did not address him as uh, in the lower caste system of, of society, as a lowlife. He viewed him as a friend. How camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. There is so much more to this verse that needs to be revealed. And I'll just say this. The reason why he was speechless is because he already knew that he was not supposed to go in there without that which was being offered to him. There were attendants that were assigned. He had servants go out and invite, and he had certain servants that would, uh, that would make sure that everybody was properly attired with the same robbery and the same garmentation. And it was white. It was to be without spot. It was to be without wrinkle. It was, it was not to have any blemish or discoloration to it in celebration of a wedding of purity and virginity. It was to be a celebration of life and commitment and righteousness, and all of the garmentation was to be spotless. And it didn't matter what kind of shape that they were invited in. It didn't matter if they stunk to heaven. It didn't matter if they had grease stains, sin stains, filthiness. They were provided a garment. Here's how 
this guy got in, and I'm almost, I'm almost done. When the attendants told him that you cannot enter in without a garment, he was one of these kind of people that said, I already know. I'm good enough. I've already got what I need. I've already been to another church somewhere. I've already heard the gospel. I've already, quote, unquote, been baptized. I've already, quote, unquote, got the spirit. I don't need what you guys got. And I can almost see in my mind's eye almost, almost an attitude, a gruff, self-determined attitude when he was met at the door with the attendants. Because you have to understand, the man that's holding this microphone here today is an attendant. The man that's holding this microphone here today is a servant. The man that's holding this microphone here today knows exactly what is required to make heaven your home. But week after week, there are people that faithfully attend here that said, I already know everything. I already know exactly what I need. I'm already good enough. I don't need what this church has. I don't need this baptism in Jesus' name. I don't need what this church is teaching. I'm telling you, there's only one way to be in the bride, and you've got to have a robe of righteousness. It cannot have spot. It cannot have wrinkle. It cannot have worldliness. You can't live one way there and another way here. It's got to be the same everywhere. Clap your hands and give him praise. <laughs> Mr. Know-it-all, you don't know when your day, your number's going to be called. Come here, Brother Tim. Stand right in front of that flower pot, if you would. I can almost see this in my mind's eye, that here is a guy that's all he's focused on is that hot meal. All he's focused in on is maybe having a cup of that wine in the palace and getting into some of where the grub is and getting to where the freebies are and getting in line for some of that Bernie Sanders stuff. I'm sorry. I just threw that in to keep you awake. And he's saying, I'm, I'm going to get all this stuff. I'm going to get, and, and taste me, Brother Tim. And I can almost see as the attendant was holding on out the robe saying, you got to have it. I can almost see him where he just almost like forced his way in because he's a know-it-all. He's already sat in another church. He's already been exposed to another gospel. He's already been somewhere and thought that he knows enough. My brother, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost or you don't have a garment on. You've got to obey Acts 2.38. You've got to go down in the name of Jesus and come up with the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hands. Go ahead. Come on. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Shout with a voice of triumph. Every single week that we get together, your pastor is not here to play patty cake and not play some kind of game with grace. I'm here to help you get rid of every stain, every spot, anything, anything, anything that could keep you out of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Oh, shout with a voice of triumph and give God praise. He was speechless. You want to know why? Because God allowed it to be so that he recalled the words of the servant. Said you cannot stay in there without a garment. You're going to give an account of every single message that every preacher, not just Rick Mayo, 
but every one God apostolic truth preaching preacher has ever preached to you. God's going to recall it to your memory. Because the Bible said we're going to give an account. Even Sarah, the wife of Abraham, understood that she can't even laugh without having to give an account. You're going to give an account of every expression that you ever gave to the Word of God. And he was speechless because he remembered. They told me. I got these privileges and rights. I know in my own mind. You ain't smart enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough, Brother Seymour. I got to have somebody preach to me. I got to have somebody that can get me in that altar. I got to have somebody that can get me under the blood. I got to have somebody that can get me in the Holy Ghost. I got to have somebody that can get me saved. I don't want somebody to tickle my ears. I don't want somebody to tell me I'm okay. I want somebody that can get my relationship back on track with God. Clap your hands and give him praise. Somebody shout. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give him praise. I need a man of God that will look at me and say, here, put this on. Here, put this on. Here, put this on. Here, put this on. Nobody's going to tell me anything, huh? You're going to waltz in. And every time that spirit and that attitude was addressed, you're going to be speechless. Because you heard it before. You heard it. I have talked to so many good people that we love dearly that come to this church week in and week out and say, I've already been baptized right. Come to find out they were not baptized in Jesus' name. Don't be so convinced that you have all the truth. I'm not trying to come out holier than thou right now. Instead, I humble myself to this because you have to understand that nobody was ever baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the Word of God. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Well, what about Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19? When he said in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost, he wasn't talking about the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Jesus said in John 5, 43, I am come in my Father's name. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21, thou shalt call his name Jesus. John 14, 26, the Holy Ghost will be sent in my name. And it's almost like you're twisting their arm. already got everything I need. I've already got this. I've already got this. I am a father. I am a son. And I'm a pastor. That's not my name. Those are titles. The father is not a name. That's a title. The son is not a name. It's a title. The Holy Ghost is not a name. It's a title. But the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I wouldn't argue with the Bible. I wouldn't argue with the messenger. I wouldn't argue with the servant. I would put on Christ. I would put on the new man. I would put on spiritual warfare. I would put on the garment of praise. I would put it on. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 10. Week after week, you come here. And I'm just preaching to you, you got to put stuff on. And you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Next verse. 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. That means that God is no respecter of persons, whether you're a Jew, which are the God's people of the Old Testament, or you're a Gentile, the cursed Gentiles of the New Testament. He doesn't care where you're from. He doesn't care the color of your skin. He doesn't care the content of your character. He doesn't care your education. He doesn't care how much money you ain't got. He doesn't care about any of your excuses. He doesn't care about who your mom and dad were. He doesn't care about anything. you got to put on the new man, which is created in Christ Jesus. Verse number 12, put on. Everybody said put on. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Verse number 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14, and above all these things, everybody said put on. That's what, that's what Tuesday night. I love everybody who shows up on Sunday. Last Sunday we had over 400, close to 450 people in this building. But on Tuesday it looks kind of like a ghost town, holy ghost town. And I'm the sheriff of this here town. And there ain't many folks around here. They're up on Boot Hill. I want to welcome you to Joel's Saloon. Tuesday nights, Brother Jordan, is where we talk about put on. Put on. Put on. And then Sunday is celebration time. Because you're not just put it on, you're living it at home. You're living it in your marriage. You're living it as a mother. You're living it as a saint. You're living it as a friend. That's why when we come in here, we don't just sit there like Whistler's mother. Hands are for raising. Your voice, let everything to have breath. Let everything that can shout, let everything that can praise him. Because I've been walking it. I've been walking in the new man. I've been walking in lowness of mind. I've been walking in forgiving my brother. I've been walking in the spirit of Christ. I've been clap your hands and give him praise. Galatians. 3.27 says to put on Christ. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man. Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God. Colossians 3 and 10, put on the new man. It's so serious about putting on this garment. Here's a guy, his jaw has completely dropped. He is speechless, looking into the eyes of the king that gave everybody the same invitation, everybody the same garments, and promised the same thing to everybody. And as he's totally speechless, the king snapped his fingers. Go to the next verse. Bind him hand and foot and take him out of here and cast him into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know that, that phraseology, that's an idiom of the end time, weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Do you know what that is describing? Weeping and gnashing of teeth is describing that in your mind you're going to remember that you had opportunities to do this. And you said, not today. You said, no, I don't feel like it. I don't feel anything. I don't feel conviction. I don't feel excitement. I don't feel anything. I don't feel any resolution. I'm thinking about who I'm going to get together, what we're going to eat tonight, what I'm going to do tomorrow, what the next week's going to be like. How am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to do this? You're going to go into eternity with your mind, and your mind, your memory is going to fully operate that's why the rich man with Lazarus, Lazarus had sat at his gate that the, do the dogs came and licked his sores, but the rich man died and went to hell. And Abram looked at the rich man and said, son, remember, you're going to take your memory with you. And you're going to remember every time the pastor put all the good things with just evangelism and popcorn banging with the ukuleles so that our goosebump machine can work. And preach conviction to some people here today that don't have a robe on. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to control you. He's not trying to manipulate your emotions. He's trying to save you. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Brother David. Because people are going to recall without recourse. Without repentance. Without a second chance. Without another invitation. Next verse, please, Brother Tristan. For many are called, but few choose. Just go ahead and take that garment. Well, wait a minute. I don't understand all this. Let's do a Bible study. Nah, we don't want your Bible study. Better to understand where we're coming from than to reject what we're offering them. In our world of labels today, you got bikers, you got stoners, you got potheads, you got acid heads, you got uppies, downies, nerds, and hippies. What subculture you hang with? Man, I don't, I don't drive Fords, I choose tobacco, and I only wear dingo boots. Oh, well, here's this group over here. What group do you fit in? Only a few, in contrast to the group of humanity that's heard the gospel, is going to say, you give me that garment, because I know I'm a wretched sinner without his grace, and without his blood, and without his power, and without his mercy. You go ahead and give me that garment, I'm going I'm I'm to take what God's given. I, I, I want to be a recipient of everything he's got. I want the grace, I want the mercy, I want, I want favor, I want blessing, I want, I want all that. I want to know God's warnings, I want to know his blessings, I want to know his cursings, I want to know how he favors, I, I want to know who God hates, I want to know who he loves, I want to know it all so I can make the right decision. I don't need some televangelist trying to pump us up for some big offering. I want somebody that's going to tell me what it takes to get into that marriage supper. Many are called, but few choose. I remember. I remember the first time I visited a church like this, the Rock Church in Sacramento, California. I will never forget 
the voices, Brother Wokey, there were devils just circling around my head. And they were, every single one of them were talking to me at once. But they didn't know that for years now, I had been crying and hoping and believing that there was another way to live life and a way to get out of the turmoil and the bitterness and the hatred and the drug addiction and the just feeling like nothing. But I got up out of that chair on that Sunday night and for the very first time in my life at 30 years of age, I made my way down to an altar. Did I have all the answers? No, I didn't even have all the right questions. Well, what do they believe about this? Do they believe in the transcendental revelation of Jesus Christ? Do they believe in this? Dude, I just wanted deliverance. I just wanted truth. I'm so glad. Brother Moore, good to have you today. You and your lovely wife who I used to pastor for many, many moons, are here today. I'm so glad I got out of my self-imposed righteousness that was shrouded with filthy rags. And I said, I'm not missing this chance. And I made my way to an altar. Look at me now. Look at you now. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. Many are called. Few are going to make that choice. Many are called, but few choose. There's somebody here today, I really... You know, I love to jump. You can tell it by watching me. I love to get excited and get emotional and leap over pews in a single bound. And this church really knows how to, how to do all that. But about 3 o'clock this morning, God directed my thoughts. There's somebody here today. It's time to quit letting the crowd make all your decisions for you. It's time to choose. Oh, I know you're going to have to make some changes. But do you realize with every change that you make that God gives you something? When God takes away your sin, he gives you power. When God removes your inaccurate thinking, he gives you a sound mind. You're not going to be fearful condemned, shame, bitterness, ugliness. It's time for somebody to make a choice. Let's lift our hands. Let's give him the praise this afternoon. Wherever you're at, God knows where you're at. God called you to this place today. While every hand is raised and we're praying right now, I want to open up this altar to somebody here today. Maybe, maybe it's not gross sin, but you just, you just not, you realize it's not everything it can be. Come on, this altar is open. In fact, let's everybody, let's come to this altar today, from the back row to the front. Let's just come and assemble around the front of the church here today. Let's pray together.
everybody in this church, you're welcome to come and stand with us right around the front. We're not going to make you to do anything. You're not going to have to jump up. And, everybody. We're inviting everybody. Come on, this is what we're talking about. Everybody. Everybody's welcome. We're just going to have a, a word of prayer. There's people here today. I'm telling you. In the Holy Ghost, I come to you. In the name of Jesus. God is reaching out for you today. God is reaching out for you today. He can change everything. You can go from a beggar to a son or a daughter. You can actually live in that palace. You can frequent that palace. You can call on his name in that palace. Come on, let's lift our hands and lift our voices and let's pray. Why don't you lay your the hand over on the shoulder of that brother or that sister or that visitor? Man to man and woman to woman. Why don't you just lay your hand on their shoulder and say, God, whatever they're facing in their world, I pray for a light, an instant, 30 seconds where they can see reality and see this for what it is. Somebody, yeah, 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 yeah. 